Well, hello, and welcome back to the Robert A. Heinlein Book Club. Um, so in this episode, I'm going to, I guess, take it easy, just uh, slowly work my way back into this work after my my summer break um, with uh, a short story. It's only two pages long called Columbus Was a Dope. And I have to do have to say, I, I've been reading these 1947 Stories. Columbus was a dope was published in May 1947 in Startling Stories, uh, which is a little bit different because he's not publishing in Astounding anymore, but Heinlein is publishing a lot in like Saturday Evening Post and starting to publish his juvenile uh, novels and things. Um, so he's, he's reaching a, a, like a broader audience than he did publishing in Astounding. Um, but these stories he writes, they're all very good and they're all fairly impactful. Like, we just looked at Jerry Was a Man, which, I, as I talked about last time, I, I just think was a really, really powerful, amazing story. Um, we also have Green Hills of Earth, which I think I'll talk about next, uh, which also very high impact, very short. Um, I guess Jerry Was a Man was very long, but uh, Space Jockey. Um, what's the other one um, I'm thinking of? It's great to be back. That's it. These stories, once published in Saturday Evening Post, are really, really just tight stories. And you compare it to those long, sprawling like novels written over three parts in, in Astounding, like Beyond This Horizon and, and, and works like that. And what's Sixth Column or, or any of those? And it's just like, I think Heinlein here is doing something he didn't do as much he, he had some shorter stories earlier on that, that i think had the same power but he i think he's on to something here with the, the shorter stories that, that pack more of a punch um and i think one reason he can do that is he's publishing the novels now so he does have the longer form if he wants to go to that and he's not bound by by astounding's format which which seems to really like those theories at least coming from Heinlein. because i think most of those stories Beyond this horizon, it's really like five or six little short stories packed into one, right? Sixth column, overly long, overly extended. Um, what's the one about the future uh, religious dictatorship that, that gets overthrown? Like these stories, they just they just all kind of overstay their welcome a little bit. And, and there's something really refreshing. To, to read these short stories that really um, hit you in a little way. Now, this one's not amazing. It's just built on a, an irony, which, to be honest, you don't really see coming. Um, it's pretty obvious when you get to the end, but it, you know, because it's like we're being, for, it's being foreshadowed throughout the whole plot, throughout the whole story. But it's, um, you know, it's still an observation that he's making here that I think is, is relevant about science, about progress, about how we move forward in in terms of technology or, or systems or, or innovations, right? Like every great change that we now take for granted was got through through some sacrifice and disruption 
and some challenge, right? Which is why why the conservatives are always going to be wrong, right? Is that it, they've always resisted the change. Every change that led to the world we live in now was resisted by by some conservatives, right? And so we have in this story a man named Barnes, uh, who's, who's described as a fat man. He's at a bar, and he's talking to uh, uh, Pete, um, who's like the bartender. So he's talking to the bartender, and then we have um, this other guy, Appleby, who's like a, who's a professor, an engineer. And they're talking about the well. Barnes' job here is he's he's a salesperson. He's like a, a contractor for this company that's building this generation ship that's going to go to Alpha Centauri. It's going to take three generations the trip there and back. And so, of course, we 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 are we already know about Heinlein's interest in generation ships. Ships. He wrote a whole novel about that. Orphans of the Sky, Universe, right? We, we remember that story. I covered it not that long ago. Um, so that that's not, that's not new. We already know how that works. But um, the focus here is is on, like, the risk that's going to face the the people who, who go on this generation ship. So Barnes, who is making money hand over fist about this project, selling steel, I think it is. And he's talking to the bartender and he's talking to this Appleby. And Appleby is going to be the one who's, who's going to go on the ship with his family because Generation Ship needs families. I mean, you can't have single guys. You have to have families with kids for the Generation Ship idea to work. So he is ready to go. He's going soon. And Barnes is sort of berating him and making fun of him, although he's making money on the project selling steel and other products, I suppose. He's saying, like, why would you do this? Why would you risk your life on this ship? The Pegasus, um, which um, is probably, the ship's not going to make it, he says. Right? Now, he says, I, I, you know, I'll sell you. I'm, I'm selling the equipment. I'm selling the steel because that's what I do. I'm a businessman. I'm a capitalist. But he's kind of like asking Appleby, like, why would you do it? He asks, I sell steel. You want special allies for a starship. I sell them to you. But just the same, now that business is out of the way, why do you want to do it? Why try to go to Proxima Centauri or any other star? And then Appleby just says, well, it can't be explained. Why do men climb Mount Everest? Why did Perry go to the North Pole? Why did Columbus get the queen to hawk her jewels? Nobody has ever been to Proxima Centauri, so we're going. Um, so that's, that's the heart of the argument. It's just like, it's the next step. It's the next place we need to go, so we're, we're going. And we're taking that risk. And Nolan can't understand this. He's baffled by this desire to do this. And he says, oh, there's a very small chance they're going to live. And Appleby re refers back to the Columbus spirit. Whatever. Now, anyways, Appleby, he has a couple of drinks. And then it's like, ah, I got to go back. I'm a family man. So he goes back to his home. And then that leaves Barnes talking to the bartender. And they kind of, he kind of is more honest. He's more straightforward here. He's like, they are going to die. Like nine times out of ten, it's just going to be explode on the way out to orbit. Um, and even if they get outside the solar system, they're never going to make it. It's like a doomed mission. And the bartender, it's a great bartender character because, you know, how bartenders sort of have to just reflect whatever their 
they're talking to. Like, not just not not necessarily I always agree with them, but but kind of like, yeah, I see that, and and you know, kind of keep the conversation going because that's partially their job. And but Pete does challenge him and say, like, you know, maybe they'll make it, right? And he kind of parrots back the Columbus stuff, and that's when Barnes makes its line like Columbus was a dope. Columbus would have been better off not exploring anything, right? Um, where's the line? Uh, he should have just stayed in bed is what he says. So then the story ends. It kind of goes back and forth this way a little bit, and the bartender is more sympathetic to them. And then he he makes this comment where he throws up this something in the air, and it comes back down very slowly. And he's like, like look how happy I am now. If I had stayed on Earth, I you know, I'd have really bad bunions. I wouldn't be as healthy. But here with one-sixth gravity, look how healthy and wonderful things are. It's great. It's a great job to have. I think even Barnes says at one point, like, don't you miss the fresh air? And at the first time you're reading it, you're thinking, well, it must be about the, like being in a stuffy old bar. But actually, no, it's they're on the moon with all recirculated air or whatever. But the bartender's pretty happy about this. And... The change in his in, in his life that comes from that, and then of course that's the point here. The point is like they're only on the moon because someone took the same risks that Appleby is taking now in in the past. Like someone has to be Columbus. Someone has to do the innovation. Someone has to dare the change for there to be any kind of social progress at all. And then once that happens, once it's done, once it's achieved, people take it for granted those 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 achievements and those struggles. Um, so. I mean, that's the story. I, I think it works pretty well. It, there's nothing, I guess, to write home about. But it's it's only a few minutes to read. It's, only two, it's literally only two pages in Startling, startling Stories. And it, it all rests on that realization that they are on the moon and and that there's a kind of a hypocrisy in Barnes's overblown criticism because if it hadn't been for Columbus, if it hadn't been for people like Columbus, who he calls a dope, they wouldn't be on the moon. And the first thing, he wouldn't be making all this money on these expeditions. So it's a, it's, a, it's a story about the struggles, the burdens that, that come of making progress. And everything around us, whether it's our skyscrapers or our... Actually, flight is mentioned here, too, like the first people fly. Um, obviously, Columbus can be fit in, any explorer. You, know, you can fit in anyone. The first people who came, kind of came over the trees or left the cave you know, in Paleolithic times. They, these are all moments of where, where courage and, and bravery, or if you, if you want to be more Marxist about it, like a, a system became stagnant, it had to be disrupted through some kind of material change, and that required something like that. That's, that's probably a little more truth, but I, I think in the romantic memory, this idea of the explorer, the adventurer, the the Yuri Gagarin kind of types is still a really powerful um, statement, and and certainly it is for Heinlein. Heinlein loves these kinds of characters uh, who are willing to venture out. So from Heinlein's point of view, obviously we know where he's coming from. Now maybe in reality we make too much of this kind of mythologizing of of explorers, but this story does that. So that's just the text we got here, but. I think the bigger point here is about how we fail to give credit to the courage and sacrifice that creates the world that we live in today. Um, 
and and I think it, it's pointed out here in this this little irony of them being on the moon the entire time. So I guess there's not too much more to say about this little little two-page story, but uh, I I probably have a little bit more to say about the next story. I think we'll look at the Green Hills of Earth next, which is um, I think that's in the future history cycle. A lot of these shorter stories from 1947 that were written seem to fit into that future history. This could, I suppose. Um, they're on the moon, so it could be in the universe of the moon is a harsh mistress. There's no shout-outs that confirm that I notice that it's in that world or Lazarus Long's world. But it could easily fit into that. Obviously, we have a generation ship in the future history, so the fact that there could be another. It's not called the Pegasus in the universe, right? So, um, But maybe there's another generation ship. So, that's it. But Green Hills of Earth is a nice story about art and poetry and the culture of spacefarers. It's a lot of fun. I, I really like that story, and I'm looking forward to talking about that with you next time. So not much to say about the story. It's worth, it's worth a glance, I think, as are all the stories, I think, in this group. They're all pretty, uh, pretty fun. And we're going to run out of highlighting short stories pretty soon and be sticking to the novels, so we should enjoy them while we have them. Anyways, that's it for now. I will see you next time. Thanks for listening. <laughs>